Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Today we want to talk about four building blocks of a good family. What is it going to take to build a good family? So as we talk about some of this today, I hope that you will glean some things for very practical ways that you can build your family and certainly how you can achieve the big things with it. You know, whenever you receive truth on any given subject, you must receive it with grace. Because truth always exposes our weaknesses. Did you recognize that? Truth is an exposer of weakness. It tells you where you have failed and where you have not hit the mark. We all have that in our life. We all have those gaps, as uh, Brent referred to. And he was right in saying that it's the Father that makes up those gaps because he's the only perfect one, but he's perfect in his grace. So as we talk about a healthy family, and you may not be sitting here feeling like yours is or the one of origin was or that maybe you're actually even a cause of a lot of the issue and I hope that you're here with a desire to turn it around. But you need truth and grace because you can see, receive truth here today and you can walk out just feeling guilty because that's not our family. I want you to receive grace with it. Because as you walk out, I want you to receive the truth and the grace because it's grace that actually produces the ability to change. Truth only identifies. Grace will carry, it will grow. It will take you some places you can't go on your own. So wherever the gaps are today, receive truth with grace and start on a different journey. Proverbs 24.3 says it takes wisdom to have a good family and it takes understanding to make it strong. Really incredible scripture actually. It's a scripture that uh, Proverbs are given as a not an absolute truth it's going to be this way every time. It's sort of like you know this is generally true. That's what Proverbs is about. Generally it's true. And when we take this, we say generally it's true that it's going to take wisdom to have a good family and it takes understanding to make it strong. We want to use that as a foundation of these four things that we're going to look at. We're going to take a look at four building blocks here today. The first one is this, the building block of preparation. Preparation. Dads, we're talking to you specifically today. Of course, all parents are in on this and uh, if you've got a child uh, in this world, then you simply... Uh, are a part of this today. Preparation. The home is the most important, incredible thing when it comes to preparing the children for life. Without that kind of preparation, uh, these children have three strikes against them before they ever get out your door. And let's talk about what that preparation looks like. In Luke 2.52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. When it says Jesus grew in wisdom, that means mental or intellectual growth. Within your home, you must have an environment that is challenging them, challenge their minds, challenge their growth of, it, of intellect, what they can learn in, and they'll all be different in different ways. Isn't it so true? Some kids, by the way, by the way, I really don't like IQ tests, and the reason why is because they tend to be just kind of a, a one-line test of intelligence and it doesn't really work. There is, there is what you might call artistic intelligence, doesn't even get touched by IQ tests. There's emotional intelligence that doesn't get touched by IQ tests. There's social intelligence that doesn't get touched by IQ tests. 
your child might have emotional, they can just really pick up on other people. Social intelligence, they know how to connect. They know how to connect with people. It might be they have artistic uh, intelligence where they just have a different way of communicating and their minds always find this creative picture or music or some way of communicating their inner thoughts and what is going on in their hearts. Intellect is a very broad subject, but when we talk about it in Jesus grew in wisdom, that's just mental and intellectual growth. You want to be an environment that keeps challenging them. What you want to create is learners. And you do that because you stay one. You can't create a learner unless you are one. Unless you love to learn. And make sure you're choosing subjects that are really good and appropriate and strong for your children that you can bring in partnership with you. It says also he grew in stature. That's physical growth. Uh, You want to make sure that you're paying attention to their physical needs. Teach them the physical disciplines that are necessary for the best management of the body that God has graced them with. How do you do that? Yourself. They watch, they catch, then when you talk, they get. And so physical, he grew in favor with God. That is spiritual growth. It means that the way that it was being lived out was really bringing this kind of favor from God and saying, I really love what you are becoming. I love what is there, spiritual growth. He grew in favor with man. That's social growth. The ability to grow socially and to be able to connect with people, no matter what the difficulties, no matter what the distances. So often we're teaching kids not to do that because we don't tend to challenge them correctly. When it comes to difficult relationships, we tend to teach them to run from those relationships, hide from those relationships. That's not preparation. If I told you that your children are gonna pick up every bad habit you had and only some of the good, what would you think of that? You'd say, oh boy, I already know that. They're gonna pick up every bad habit you got. And some of the good. So when it comes to the management of your own life, as you live, you prepare. Our lives really count. Now remember I said receive truth with grace, do it here. Give yourself grace, but use grace to get a good start. Get, use grace to go further down the road. Use grace to take the truth deeper in you. So when it comes to your children, in preparing them, there is all four of these areas. Next scripture is Deuteronomy 6-7. It says you must teach them to your children and talk about them. When you are at home or out for a walk, at bedtime, and the first thing in the morning. He's just saying it needs to be a natural thing within your family. That you are talking in a way that the communication is just normal about the Lord. It's normal about your faith. It's normal about your challenges. It's normal about the journey of the family. It's honest. They get it. It really does take that kind of leadership in the home to pass it on from generation to generation. He's saying, you gotta teach them, you must. You must is a word that you don't have an option here. It's not an option B. He's saying, you must teach. You must teach. Because if you don't, then they're being taught from other places. Right now, children are getting their opinions formed mainly by 
the screens of their life. The screens of their life are forming their opinions. That's where they're getting their opinions from. If you, if you want to know why your children might come home or have some kind of crazy belief that you're seeing emerge, check the screen world. Check what the source is because more than likely somewhere within that screen world, they are picking up the values and the things that are a part of that world. So when it comes to actual preparation, you have to take a look at it and say, I have to take charge. I'm not going to, this is my responsibility. As a parent, that is your responsibility. It's not, it's not first the churches. It's first yours. It's not first the school system. In fact, don't, don't have them just teach your children all of those things. Don't teach them the things that you know are your values and that you need to prepare them in life for. You need to not trust others in that regard. This is your trust. And your trust is that you're going to teach them to your children, talk about them when you're at home or out for a walk at bedtime and the first thing in the morning. More or less, normal part of living and breathing is we talk about these things. We talk about why, what's important. We talk about uh, when they're having a struggle and what, what they can do that's different in, in, in what they're doing right now. Rather than just emotionally react, you can teach them that. If you really just move away from that a little bit, we can teach you how to respond to this. What do you think are the options? Training, teaching never stops for a parent. That's why, by the way, you get so tired. Now, again, I say truth and grace have to run together. And so wherever we find that, boy, you know, this is, this is something we don't talk about all the time. I mean, Sundays, we do the church thing uh, when we can, but we really don't make this a daily experience in our home where we're really taking a look at what's behind the scenes and what they might be catching from us and what is our communication like with them. You are preparing your kids incredibly for three different things. They must be prepared with relationships. What they learn in relationship to you is where they are going to practice relationships. If you are not a communicator uh, with your kids, then don't expect them to be a communicator with the people that they're going to be in relationships with. When they set up their homes, when they stand in an altar and give their vows, when they take a look at difficult situations in raising their kids, a lot of the first forming and the things that are there have come directly out of your preparation and how you have intentionally, intentionally, strategically took the opportunity to teach your children and how do you do that? All oh, by the way, in relationships. Relationships, if you're not honest about the things that are going on in your own life relationally, they will be dishonest and hide in those things also. When they know that you and mom aren't necessarily getting along too well, you don't have to dive into any specifics, but you need to say, you know what? Yeah, you're picking up on it. And don't worry. We love each other. Everything's good. We're just, we're just got to work through some simple things, and we're going to do that. You have to not freeze them out of processes that you are experiencing on a daily basis, especially in relationships. You must teach them by catching it, and then they will get it as you teach them. The second thing they must be prepared with is character. Character is an interesting term, but it really is the sum of our decisions that we make and the wisdom that we make those things in. Character, character is something about your, how you're using your will 
and you want them to make good choices. That's going to be the formation of their character. When they make bad choices, if you attack them on those bad choices, if you use guilt and shame on those bad choices rather than nurture, teaching, example, encouragement, support, then you're going to find that those kids are going to have a hard time forming good character because then they hide. How can they form good character using their wills? How can they make better choices if, if wrong choices are attacked rather than challenged in a healthy way, supported by your own living, and then brought to them in a way that encourages them that they are able to do better with this choice and then making it happen with them? Parenting is full time. I mean, it's just all the time. It's even when you're at work, by the way, because as you process your life at work, you can't just flip a switch when you're on the way home. If you're not processing in your own life, that is your credibility as a teacher. And when you process in your own life, you earn the credibility as going home as a teacher because you are working on practice. Your knowledge is not just within the brain. The knowledge is within the actions or the development of different ways that you live your life. Character. You want your kids to have good character. You can't guarantee it. You can get all the math right and they are a sovereign will. They're going to make their own choices. But may you be the right kind of person that is influencing the choices that they can make young all the way through for good character. Receive truth with grace. Third is values. These are three things children have to be prepared. When they walk out your door, when they've grown into independence, they need to have these things formed in their life to a, a large degree. Values. Isaiah 38, 19 says, The living, only the living can praise you as I do today. One generation makes known your faithfulness to the next. One generation makes known your faithfulness to the next. See, they know what's first place. They know what's second place. They know where they are on your list. They understand where that is in reality. They understand and they can tell you whether God is first place in your home or not, and that you're making him known to their generation, to, you, to, the, to who they are. They will know whether he is first. You may be even cloudy on it. They won't be. They will know. They will know. I love that little scene when they're sitting in the waiting room of that tire shop, waiting for the flat tire. And I love that little scene as all those guys, you know, all of a sudden... You know, this tenderness of what a dad is. And then the relationship between that daughter and that dad and how she's proclaiming his character, proclaiming his values. They know your values. They get it. They get it. And they will replicate it whether you want them to or not if you've got some upside down things, if priorities are not where they need to be. Receive grace with the truth. What are your values? Interesting conversation. If you want to ask them, just ask them simple little questions. <laughs> ask them things like, am I a good forgiver? They know. They know whether you are or not. 
Am I patient? They know. They know whether you are or not. They know. By the way, this goes for grandkids too. Here's the great thing about grandkids. You get to actually get a little smarter through parenting and then you can bring a little bit more smartness to grandparenting. Have you ever found that you learn all these lessons through, you go parent and then you learn these lessons, but it's too late. Like it's, you learned them as you went and then you're at the other end of the road and it's like they're on to their lives. And then they have kids. By the way, this is the beauty of extended families. They have kids. If you have, if you have a lineage of Christian in your home, what a blessing that is from God. In fact, the Bible speaks about that. And if you don't, then make it. Then make it. You get to actually now bring a little more, we would say, wealth of wisdom into this process. And you're a big part of what they're going to do in values. Values is huge. They'll know yours. Second building block is this. The building block of protection and security. Protection and security. Guys, this is wired into you. Anybody breaks into your home, I know that you're the one that's right now between you and your family. That's physical protection. And I know that you'd be there. Protection is just kind of hardwired into most males. That's just kind of how God has wired us and made us. And it's a good thing. It gets attacked today a little bit. It's one of the key structures of being a man is to be a protector. That's not welcome sometimes in our world today because the world wants to prove that we don't need you. We don't need your protection. By the way, the other thing is provision. If you were here on Thursday night for the men's thing, you know I covered those two things and then we talked conflict. Provision. It's hardwired. By the way, it's... it's it's not optional with God. You're first in line for looking after your family. May the wife enjoy her career along, but you are first in line. We talked about these things because they are important, that they're hardware, but today we have a lot of feedback on how we are made. And a lot of it is just trying to prove that there's no need for men to lead. So what does that leave? It leaves a gap. It leaves a gap for other authorities to lead. Experts. Did you catch how I said that? Experts. You're the experts. You're wired for it. You want to be somebody that is absolutely just geared on fulfilling what God has put in you for your family. Protection and security. They need a sense of security. They won't even know they have it, but they sure know it when it's insecure. They know it when there's a lot of things going on that are disturbing the nest, and the nest has been got some thorns in it, and the comfort is gone, the safe place is gone, it's not the same. They wonder what kind of night maybe it's going to be or weekend it's going to be when dad comes home. Receive truth with grace. The truth will show you your gaps. The grace will give you the ability to learn and grow. 
Security is so important. Listen to this, Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. That's you guys. His children have a place of refuge and security. Whose? The guy who has this deep reverence and deep strength because of it. He really reveres God. God is first. There's just no doubt about it who's first. They know that that's your dependent zone. That is your core. That is where your foundation is. That is where you go to. They know that's your go-to place. It gives you deep strength. The result is children have a place of refuge and security. It's just sort of said in a way that we would understand that that's absolutely necessary. Where we try to build security is often in career choices and grooming them for that. Grooming them with thinking education and how that is done is the key. As good as those things may be, they don't even go on to the data point of anything valuable if you miss this one. Fear of God gives a man deep strength. His children, his children have a place of refuge and security. It's safe. They know where to flee. It's to you. And if they flee to you, because you flee to God, then they will one day flee to God also. You've taught them where strength comes from. Don't give them false confidence in the strengths of other things, of their own mind or their own intellect or their own skills or their own abilities. Don't teach them that first. Teach them to find their confidence and strength in the Lord. Here's protection in change. Change is relative or coming all the time into our lives. You might change jobs, you change houses, you change uh, places, uh, cities, you change. Change comes all the time. Change, I grew up, I I went to several different schools because we tended to move a bit. That was always change. They need protection when change comes. Even with the society around them, when they're navigating change, they know it's, it's not like what home is. They need security. They need protection. In failure, in failure, there's many kinds of failure. We all fail all the time. They're going to fail. They need protection in failure. A pastor friend of mine told a story about him, his own his own uh, experience. He has three kids. And uh, the one girl really wanted to be in, in sports and make this team. She worked very hard at it. And she was very good. This was a school team. And she worked so hard at it. It ended up she didn't make the team. And... When she came home, she was crying. All that night, she was crying and she went into her closet and just cried. So the other two boys and the mom and dad, what they did, they just went into the closet with her. And they all cried. 
They didn't just say, suck it up, be another opportunity. They understood the protection that was needed. They were ready to give it. They understood that failure is difficult. And they have to learn how to move through failure. And how do you move through failure? By being honest about what it feels like. Learn from it then. You can't learn from something you won't be emotionally honest with. You'll only learn how to stay away from that pain. Rejection. They need protection and rejection. This is just what the society is. They try to strong arm acceptance is wrong. Rejection is something that's going to come in life. And it could come for many different reasons. And it might come often into your life. But rejection is something that your children need protection and security from. They must never have any idea from you that their value is movable. Or that in any way that you are rejecting who they are. Every kid you've got, if you've got more than one, they are absolutely unique. I mean, they really are. And you know that to be true. So how you deal with that uniqueness is to make sure that you're not rejecting one. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we really, really want to make, remake our children in our own eye image. We have to be careful of that. We have to be careful. Because they're not going to look like you or be like you in any exact way. Somehow, they can come from you and be totally different from you in so many different ways. To reaffirm who they are, to reaffirm gifts that they've got, to reaffirm some of the things that you, you say, well, that's not, you know, I'm not comfortable with that in them. We're, we're introverts, that's an extrovert. I'm trying to always calm them down. We're extroverts, this is an introvert. I'm always trying to get them out of himself. Be cautious with that. There are uniquenesses that you need to celebrate so that there's no sense of rejection, but a strong sense of acceptance. Often a family breaks down because they literally focus on the differences and not celebrating them, but attacking them. Mark 3, 25 says, a constantly squabbling family disintegrates. Three, the third building block is a fun and adventure. Fun and adventure. Deuteronomy 16.11 says, Then celebrate in the presence of the Lord your God, you, your sons, your daughters. This is so cool when we understand how important adventure and fun is. You need to be able to create that. That's something that they look to you. That you create adventure for them. You create fun for them. Don't think this is the light side of life. This is really developing their inner passions. They need to have a passion for adventure and fun in their life. That, by the way, means you better get your play dates going with them. You've got to make sure that you're creating a fun and, and an adventuresome thing. You've got to think it out. You've got to be strategic. You ever, you ever woke your kids up in the middle of the night and got them out of bed and said, we're going for a drive? And they say, where? Don't know yet. Just hop in. Let's go. 
And you go and find an early morning hike or go and find an early morning place where you might be able to see the sun come up. Have you ever tried to interrupt that 24-hour schedule and really do something that catches that trigger of adventure in them? If you don't capture it, the world will try to capture it on screens. You know your best way to fight against screens is to live a life of adventure with your family. I remember so many times with my uh, own daughter out at our place. In the summer when it was a hot day, often we'd have water fights. We have a little upper deck and I would be up there and I would uh, try and hit her with water balloons. We'd uh, grab the hose and chase each other around. Then we'd run completely all around our place and there was one time we were running right around our place and just giving her and she's, and I'm chasing her with the water gun. And uh, she's out front and I, all of a sudden we had a dog and dogs leave deposits. I hit the deposit with a foot and I was gone and rolled in more deposits. Uh, I can remember many times with her taking types of hikes and things like that. I remember taking my granddaughter out on her first hike and we, she went up this little bit hill. She was just a toddler and she climbed a pretty big hill all on her own. We watched from the bottom and we were just behind her. And when she got to the top of it, here's what she did. She said, I did it, I did it, I did it. You know, that's kind of funny, but all the different memories that I can just keep going and going and going and going. Why is that? Simply because it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun to be a part of. It was fun and there was adventure and it creates something in them and for them that is anchors memories and values and good things. Don't minimize fun and adventure. Maximize it. And then lastly, the the last building block is the building block of Jesus. I go back to Henry. He's got lots of memories. Darlene has lots of memories. But the one memory and the most important memory they got and the biggest block they got in their life is this. Jesus. Jesus. That's the building block that you want to work on and be very clear in. But you don't want to be just a lecturer. You want the joy of your own faith to grow. Listen to Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 9, 10. Knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. More or less, give them literally the filter to look through life at. Give them Jesus. Philippians 3.8, everything else is worthless compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Acts 16.34, the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. Joshua 24.15, choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I don't know where all the gaps are that Brent's already addressed I do know this, that gaps get filled by a gracious God and gives you grace and it gives you an ability to now move forward. Because dads, men, we need you and we need you in building blocks like this 
in your family's life, which leads to building blocks like that in every other part of the community, including the church. Dads that take this seriously, dads that actually intentionally do this and do it with great joy are an incredible force against what this world believes and the values that it puts forward. This is not something for you to shrink back from in these times, even though every value that you might believe and want to teach is now challenged. That the harmony between church and community and home and community is so distant now. That just means all the more important for you as dads, granddads, and if God has blessed you with it, great-granddads. The world may diminish the need for men being men. God will never do that. He's made you this. And it is needed. When I think to the guys in scripture that I often love, every one of them have great weaknesses. David, great weaknesses. But David never ever let those weaknesses define him in the end. The only thing that defined him was his love towards his God, his devotion towards his God. And the Lord said in the book of Acts, this is a man after my own heart. Daniel, who went into situations where he had great loss, lost his family, more than likely killed by the very king that took him captive, entered special training to be part of the king's government. And he found a way with wisdom to move ahead, not becoming a victim, but rather taking on the realities and staying true to his faith in his Lord and finding ways in a very competitive system towards his faith to practice it fully. Peter was an amazing guy. In the end, Peter's biggest struggle, he'd struggle with everything. He struggled with just literally everything. But in the end, the final struggle for him was a struggle with himself. Which he made a defining decision to receive the grace of God. And Jesus hit the restart button and said, okay. You are going to be a rock upon which I will build my church. Paul, a guy that was so whole out, the first big persecutor of the church, responsible for imprisonment of all kinds of different people, families, right through. He was responsible for the kind of treatment they received and even the deaths. He was blind to Jesus. But one day he got knocked off his horse as he was riding to carry again 
out under the authority of those that were the great persecutors of the church. He was headed to Damascus and he was knocked off of his horse and he was blind. He was blind. He couldn't see. And there was a voice from heaven that said, Saul, Saul. That was his name. It was later changed to Paul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you persecute. So blind that God allowed him to experience physical blindness and use that to open his heart. And he became somebody that brought the great message of grace to the Gentile nations. You've always got a reason not to become what God wants you to become. But it's on days like this that we remind ourselves that none of those hold any water. God comes with grace and he says, I want you to be the man that I made you to be. I want you to become the dad that you have been shaped to be. You can choose this. Take truth, wrap it in grace. Don't stay stuck with kind of blame or things like it's just too late. It's never too late. That's crazy language. You say, my kids are grown up. You actually might be able to have almost a greater effect in a shorter amount of time as a grown man repenting to your kids and saying, you know, I never grew up with Jesus. I never brought him into our home, but he's in mine now. I didn't get all the math right. I didn't get all my values aligned the way that they could have been. But I want to give you a testimony of my current status with God. Your influence is great no matter what the starting point, and it might be even greater if you have, if they've left your home. But one thing I know is that your influence will never make a difference. It'll never make a difference. <clears throat> Until you are willing to let go of whatever failures and gaps that there are, and take it up with a new, fresh challenge. Living out new, fresh values. Committed to passing them on generation to generation. And see the amazing work and grace that God can do in your family and generations today. Yesterday is gone. But God has a way of taking all of those things, as he said, our weaknesses, and literally turning them into strength. Let him do it. Dads, men, rise up where God put you. Let's stand together. Fathers, we bow our heads before you. We all recognize that we have many gaps in our life. History is there to show us those things, I guess, but it's not where we are to park 
our thoughts. Paul said, I forget the past. I press on to the future. Father, there are a lot of things where we didn't get all the math right. But maybe we got it partly right. Maybe we got it where they know we love them. But Lord, may it just be a new beginning with even grown-up kids and with grandkids. And may it be a new beginning as men in this world who have been blessed with children and grandchildren. May we recognize the gift that they are, just like your scriptures tell us. And help us to be the kind of men in this day and age in a world which wants to take them and shape them and that has nothing to do with God at their core. I pray instead, Lord, that we will step into that core with the wisdom and the understanding that it takes to have a good family, to make it strong. Help us to accept this, Lord, and to move into it with grace and truth. And may we see your wonderful hand rebuild what has been broken, heal what has been cut. I pray, Lord God, that where there is wounds in families, that there will come an amazing work of the Spirit of God to produce healing. I pray that there will be hearts right now just grabbing on to this possibilities when God is truly in charge. I pray, God, that we'll understand these building blocks continue until the day that we are done. We're always preparing those that come after we always provide protection and security. We can always provide fun and adventure. And we can always, always have Jesus right at the core. So that our circle, Lord, our circle, which is maybe broken right now by pain and anger or broken in different ways, but that our circle won't be broken when it comes to Jesus and eternity. Help us to grab hold of it. Help us to let go of the things that take the energy out of us about this and put it into it. May we square on, accept the role and the call. May you bless these families, bless these men. Thank you for the grace that continues to keep us all with all of our weaknesses and our flaws, my own included so much in this. I thank you, Lord God, that your grace sustains us, strengthens us, and it carries us forward. And may that be the case for every man, for every husband, for every dad, for every granddad, for every great granddad. And may we not accept what the world wants to make us, but may we be what you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.